Awesome. Welcome back again to the Coffee and Combos podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa, and I am here sitting down at Frost Me Cupcakes, where they also serve ritual coffee with Gary Ware. And I'm so excited because we're going to be chatting about him and his, I, I don't even know how to call it because you have so many fun titles. What yeah. do you consider yourself? I consider myself more like a play catalyst. And uh-huh. the reason why I say play catalyst is that it's my goal to help people use play as an amplifier for all areas of their life. Awesome. Well, he's at a best. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here, Gary. Yeah, my I pleasure. Thank you, being here. I'm super excited. Me. Yeah. Um, so I just want to give them a little bit of background of how I discovered you. It was actually at Creative Mornings, and it was probably one of the best Creative Mornings um, talks that I've been to, uh, my boyfriend and I attended and we had no idea what to expect. And I know the topic was about incorporating play and it was like the perfect topic because at the time it was where we felt like we grind so much and we put in so much of ourselves into our work that we kind of forget to treat ourselves or take care of ourselves in that way and just have fun. So when you kind of shared upon that topic and you had us like go into groups of three, we're like, oh gosh, we were kind of like, what's going on here? And um, it was really fun, you know, just being, just being in a group of people that we didn't even know and just got to like let loose a little bit and have fun very early in the morning, mind you. (laughs) So that's so awesome. Oh, yay. Thank you. Yeah. It was such an amazing talk. And to be honest, one of my favorites to do, uh, yeah. the Creative Morning community mm-hmm. is so open and so just accepting and yeah. supportive that I just like fed off that energy. So it, it was great because you're great. And I just say I'm just a vessel um, to just hold the space. So mm-hmm. if you liked it, it was probably more your fault than my fault. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'd love to hear more about your story and how you got into this because from what I looked up and what I know about you is that you pretty much kind of, you go to like corporate settings and different events and everything and kind of like, like you said, you're that catalyst to like break the ice and just for everyone to let loose. And you also do improv, right? Yes. Yeah. And to be honest, that was the catalyst for me to Mm -hmm. really start exploring play and improv as a medium for life transformation. And, And I know I say, transformation but <laughs> it's it, like it's serious if you think about when we were kids mm-hmm. we learned through play yeah um, I have a son who's 16 months old and he is the most playful person I've ever met matter of fact he's helping me play more Aww. and everything that he learns how to do is through play mm-hmm. um, and it's that spirit of play mm-hmm. and it's using play to just create a safe environment where we can experiment and we can test things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's conditioning our mind so that when we encounter these situations again, we're more apt to ah. deal with it in a, you know, in a more enjoyable fashion. Right. And so that, um, I took this improv class uh, because I hated Toastmasters. No offense to people who like Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with what Toastmasters is, is essentially just a group where they torture you. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but it sounds like roasting, right? It, seriously, like, yeah. you, it's supposed to help you be a better public speaker. Uh-huh. And there's 
speeches that you prepare and all these other things, but I took it and it caused so much anxiety for me. Like I really? felt like everyone was judging me yeah. and I didn't feel like I was ever good enough. However, I took this improv class and we did these very unconventional, like very experiential games that actors use to help them become better actors. Yeah. And I didn't realize it actually helped me be more creative. It helped nice. me be more expressive, be more of my authentic self, mm -hmm. deal with failure and critique a lot better. You know, think yeah. about, you know, the people that are probably listening to this um, are more creative minded and we're judged all the time. All the time. And just learning through the world of, through the lens of improvisation, mm -hmm. it helped me in so many ways that I said, everyone needs to do improv. And most people are scared of improv because they think it's like stand-up comedy and right. yada, yada, yada. But it's not. It's just play. And so that was my foray into play. And I geeked out on it and, and learned about the psychological benefits of play mm -hmm. and how it can help you in all areas of your life. That's really cool. Um, transitioning into kind of like... You came from a corporate background. You briefly mentioned that earlier yes. off mic. But um, I'd love to hear how, like, what even got you to try improv? Because, like you said, it's such an intimidating space. And, like, I think I remember you mentioning that you were kind of, like, burning out at your last talk. And, like, how at these types of jobs, like, we don't have time for ourselves. And, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I was working for one of the largest independent search marketing agencies. Um, the name of the company, they've since been bought out, uh, but they were called Cavario. That was the name of the company. I was employed 36. And by the time I left the company, I think there were over 250 employees worldwide. Oh, wow. Huge. And in a short time period, I went from an individual contributor to a director of an a department oh, wow. overseeing like over 30 employees. Yeah. I had four direct reports, but in my department, there were over 30 of us. And it was my drive because I, I thought, you know, in order to be happy and successful, you just need to, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, that's what they tell you. They said, um, you know, put in the hours now, you know, you'll, you'll benefit from it later. And so it was something I love to do because I went to school for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, online marketing. And I didn't play. It was one of those things my parents said, Gary, you can play when the work is done. But when you're moving up the corporate ladder, if you mm -hmm. will, and I did those air quotes for you, <laughs> Misty, um, you, you know, are putting in a lot of time. You're putting right. in, you know, 40 plus hours a week. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of stress that comes with Definitely. that. Um, Self-imposed stress mm -hmm. and stress from clients. And I was finding myself being burnt out a lot. And I just thought that's just part of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they say, oh, you can sleep when you're dead or whatever the yes. case may be. And yeah. I, my health was suffering, you know, because of it. And I didn't know this then that I know now is that when you're in a stressful environment and you don't make time for self-care and you don't have what is called psychological safety. Your, wow. which is essentially a, a complex word that essentially means you feel safe to be yourself. You feel comfortable uh, bringing up bad news or, or you don't feel like your job's going to be impacted because of a simple mistake that you did. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have psychological safety, it ultimately impacts your work because you don't feel comfortable being yourself and 
to be honest, you can't really do your best work when you're not yourself. And so, again, I didn't know anything about this. I just thought that was just par for the course. Mm -hmm. And fortunate for me, the company that I work for gave us $1,000 a year for personal development. Wow. And we can go to a conference. We Mm -hmm. can take a communications class. We can do whatever we want as long as we brought that knowledge back to the team. That's really cool. Yeah. And so, like I said, I tried Toastmasters. I didn't like it. Uh, And a mentor of mine said, hey, Gary, have you considered improv? Ah. Again, never taken an acting class, never thought that was something that I would consider myself doing. Mm-hmm. I seen whose line is it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was like, how I'm not funny. Why would an improv class benefit me, mm-hmm. you know, in my professional uh, career? Right. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and it's just like what I mentioned earlier. When you take an improv class, mm-hmm. you're not put on a stage and, and said, hey, make me laugh. Matter of fact, you learn techniques that improvisers, and actually before I even get into that, I should clarify that improv is not about being funny. Improv is a group of people that in some cases get a single suggestion, a single word, and make up these super entertaining stories from a single suggestion. Mm-hmm. They essentially innovate every time. And the, the cool thing about this is that it's not prescripted. Right. We don't know what we're doing, but we have trust in each other. Oh, that's awesome. And we have this framework that you learn through these silly games mm-hmm. that gives you the courage and confidence to be more creative. And then our collective knowledge is what creates it. Matter of fact, we say um, the reason why we're successful and the reason why we're funny is that because we trust each other. Wow. That's and, really cool. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I learned is, you know what? Um there's a thing that we say in improv is how can you make your partner look amazing? Oh, nice. And that is something that we thrive to do uh-huh. is in every scene, every interaction, we want to make the other person look awesome. Mm-hmm. It's not about ourselves; It's about the other person. Yeah. And the end result is bigger than something that each of us could have done independently. So think yeah. about that and take that and put that back into like a, any sort of team or corporate environment. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, naturally realize how beneficial those skills are that's awesome i did um my boyfriend and i did catch one of your improv shows a little while ago and it was really cool you know we've never really seen like any improv in person so it was an interesting experience like we love stand-up comedy and we love comedy we always have this like ongoing joke that like our relationship is this like ongoing like stand-up comedic like improv show that only both of us are aware of us like we're the only ones who are aware of it (laughs) so um but yeah i love that you like it's just crazy to me that you could literally take one word or you guys even like rely on the audience like oh hey like bring in a topic and then you guys completely go off of one another and you definitely feel that synergy and you see how reactive you are to one another and i'm pretty sure you could tell like what people's strengths are and you guys play off of that. And that's super cool. And does it take a while for you to kind of get there as far as like, oh, hey, like, like from, improv, from taking improv classes to being on stage, like how long was that process? How did you know that you actually just wanted to? Yeah, for, for me, um, I didn't initially want to be on stage. I oh, just wanted really? to keep playing the games. Yeah. And it, because I kept taking classes, you naturally 
have the, the, the where I started taking classes, by the time you get to the last class, you have to do a performance. And I was nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, but you're, the student shows are the best shows because you're surrounded by friends and family. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be heckled. Um, and so after that, then I'm like, wow, I really want to do it. It was like my anti-drug. You know, it was something yeah. that brought me so much joy and excitement that I wanted to do improv anywhere and everywhere. Um, but for someone who may have seen an improv show and may be interested in the benefits of improv, mm-hmm. the cool thing in this, I'll like drop some science on uh, you listeners, is that it's called neurological linkage. And so essentially when you're playing these games, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be improv games, it so happens that the way that the games are set up, uh-huh. you create this environment where we have this synergy because we're doing similar movements, we're feeding off of each other, mm-hmm. that you create an environment where you immediately start trusting the other person. Wow. Because you create... Uh, these newer chemicals, so these are essentially chemicals in our brain that create certain emotions. And Mm -hmm. one of the big ones is oxytocin, which creates empathy. It creates the ability to trust the other person. And when you have that, you're going to be more open to suggestion. You're going to be more trusting. You're going to um, like them more. Uh Um, And that is like the key to any environment. And I tell people... The reason why you, you know, come to our shows, and not all the shows are great. You know, some shows we bomb, but again, we condition ourselves to see a show that bombed as just feedback. Mm-hmm. And I have this belief: how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you, in an improv environment where it doesn't really mean anything, you have a bad show, but you have a way to reframe it and learn from it. Right. When real life stuff happens you take that same sort of essence Mm -hmm. and you apply it to real life scenarios. And again, it's not like I don't have bad days. I just, when they happen, I'm able to get over them faster. That is so helpful. (laughs) I wish that I could kind of get over things quickly, but especially just as a creative and being in this space, you know, it's really hard not to take things to heart or Mm -hmm. to, um, when maybe you're having a bad day, you don't take it too personal. Yeah. Um, so what are some tips and tricks coming from you that you would incorporate play or just like, aside from like the group activities, what's yeah. something I can do like individually yeah. to kind of incorporate that aspect into my yeah. life? And so first and foremost, it's a mindset. So yeah. I tell people, you know, it's not like I don't take things personal. You know, if someone says something and, and you're really close to it, you can't help but to. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are two things that we need to, before I give you some really cool suggestions, it's important to set like this uh, sort of environment is that we are all capable of adjusting. Mm-hmm. So say someone says something and it hurts your feelings. That is an initial reaction. Okay. Uh, that, you know, it's like a reflex. It's like I were to hit your knee, like, you know, in a doctor's office and you kick your foot. Like that is a reaction. When someone says something that hurts your feelings, you have this initial sort of sting. However, they say we have to get better at separating the reaction from our response. And that takes the ability to like sort of pause and be able to reframe. Mm-hmm. And so um, the reason why we take things personally is that we... Um, we have this close association that our work defines us. Right. 
And if someone says something about our work that we don't like, our belief is they don't like us. Ah. Uh, it, it you know it sense. is, and that's what's happening on a neurological level. Mm-hmm. You know, someone says, "Wow, you know that's not good work," and we, again, our initial reaction is like, "Oh, they don't like our work. Mm-hmm. I did the work. I am the work. Therefore, they don't like me." Ooh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Let's go get a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> It happens, yeah, you know, from yeah, time yeah. to time. But it's the ability to, and this is the word I take from these improv exercises, of reconditioning our, our brains um, mm-hmm. to see something like that is, it has nothing to do with us. So when you have a bad show in improv, you immediately say, all right, you know, that kind of sucks and it stinks. But over and over again, if what we do, and this is something that people can do, especially when you get feedback that is not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily something that you like mm-hmm. um, is start to say, is that their opinion? Is that the truth? You know, you start asking yourself questions, you know, do people always hate my work or is this a uh, one-off situation? Uh-huh. And you start to like reframe the environment. Um, so that's something that you can do is a reframe is that, you know, questioning. And after every show, um, especially, especially when we have bad shows, we start to say, all right, what are some good things that we can take away from this? Very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is something that uh, you can always do. However, it's easier to do in a in a low stakes environment than it is in a high stakes environment. So, because again, it's all about our brains are wired to just do things over and over again. You know, patterns. And so, if I were to tell you this now, and then something bad happens, you're going to default to what you know. Right. And so what I tell people, and this is something that I feel like is said over and over again that seems very cliche, but it works, is gratitude. Having a practice of gratitude, especially in the easy time, so that when the rough time happens, you can condition yourself to like think that way. Because that. when you think about the, the interesting thing about our brains is that our unconscious mind mm-hmm. controls everything. That is like... Uh, yeah, makes it, sense. it controls everything. And so um, that's the question for you is, have you ever had a dream and you woke up and you swore that dream was like real? Oh, yeah. All the time. Right. It's kind of scary. It's, it, it's very weird. Like yeah. bad dreams, good dreams. Like your brain doesn't know the difference between dream and reality. Mm-hmm. So if you think about something good, your brain will start to produce those feel good you know, feelings. But the thing is, most of the time people, they do that as an escape mechanism as a way to not deal with Ooh. with the stuff that happens. So you have to do it and say, you know what? I'm going to take a moment to daydream, to think about good stuff as a way to, I call it a power-up, so okay. I can deal with life. Because if you use it as an escape mechanism, you're always going to use it as an escape. So instead of dealing with life, mm-hmm. you say, all right, I'm going to binge watch Netflix and do all these things and you will never get to it. And then the stress and pressure is going to build up. And then wow. you're, so that's one thing, gratitude. Um, another thing, and I, this is where the play comes in mm-hmm. is how can you see the world through the eyes of a child? I love that. And that's a game that I love to play. Um, so I actually happen to have a child so it, it's really fascinating to see the world through his eyes but this is something that we can all do uh-huh. and I like to say imagine when you're going on walks and you're out and about imagine that you are a tourist 
and, and just imagining it. that you're seeing things for the first time. And I challenge people, can you notice something that you haven't noticed before? Mm-hmm. And most people, they said, what are you talking about, Gary? Like, I, I, I lived in this home for, or this room for like a number of months or a number of years. I know everything. I'm like, no, you don't. Because you're, the way that our brains work is that, especially in, in areas where you have been in and out, your brain doesn't process it, process it the same way that you process it when you're in a new environment. Like, for example, for me, this is my first time here in this amazing, like, um, you know, cafe that everything is new to me. Yeah. But if I come here over and over again, your brain, uh, because your brain's job is to keep you alive, it's going to create shortcuts. So you're not going to see it wow. the same way. But if you tell your brain, you know what, let's imagine that we're tourists, you will find something that you haven't noticed before. And you're going to swear it wasn't there. But the, the thing is, your brain just didn't see it because Whoa. it's, it's like has tunnel vision. That makes sense. So that's something really fun that you can do um, that, again, it, all these things start to spark uh, dopamine. Dopamine creates okay. creativity, creates focus. Mm-hmm. It's that happy chemical that makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, and most people say, Gary, um, the world, you know, is full of tragedy and all these other things. You know, I need to stay woke and I need to um, care about these things. And like, I totally get it. However, if you allow yourself to get consumed by it, mm-hmm. you will you will focus on whatever you focus on. And it's I asked people, I said, how is that for your current well-being by focusing on all the tragedy and stuff like that? Um, a wise um uh, psychologist, he focused on positive psychology. He says, you should ask yourself, is there something that I can do right now? If there is, then do it. If not, you should not focus on it because it's all about um, your brain will consume as much as you let it. And uh-huh. we have a tendency to focus on the negative things because that's what essentially keeps us alive and keeps us safe. But in this day and age, we're not going to be attacked by saber toothed tigers. <laughs> Very true. There, you know, there, there's not a dinosaur that's going to just bust down this wall and like eat us. Yeah. Yet our brain still processes things like email. Yeah. Uh, things like client calls, things like projects, the same way that it would process as if there was a tiger. Oh, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. And if we don't, if we aren't conscious about it, we will let these things consume us. And you wonder why we're stressed out. We're overworked. We're burnt out. Mm-hmm. So that's just something fun. And, and something else that I found is every day, and this is interesting, speaking of uh, Creative Mornings, um, the most recent speakers, uh, so this is the month of July, uh, so the month uh, the uh, theme was intention, and the speaker oh, yeah. was, uh, was, was talking about being intentional with stuff. And he asked people um, as part of a daily practice, Um, to do this and it's so funny because I heard about this recently and you should be asking yourself did I experience joy today wow and let me ask you this when when you think of joy what do you think of for me I feel like joy is like a cup of coffee for me honestly I get that sense of nostalgia because growing up whenever I would wake up in the morning my parents would have freshly brewed coffee Mm -hmm. and having that aroma just fill in the whole house was like my favorite thing. So whenever I have a cup of coffee with someone, like right now or even earlier this morning, it was getting that moment to connect and enjoy a cup of coffee with somebody. Yeah. So I know that sounds like, oh, another like plug for the podcast. But no, honestly, (laughs) like it really is like that's something that makes me happy. And also 
Um, something that I do when I do find myself like in a rut because most of what I do is social media and I'm like in this landscape for work and for my projects is like watercoloring. Yes. And that's, yeah. So like, I'm just like zenned out, turn on like a really cool playlist and just like create some stuff. And like, I'm no expert, but it's always like just fun to experiment with stuff. So that brings me joy. That is sure. exactly it. And the, there's a, an interesting TED talk about joy and the benefits of joy and finding joy in everyday environments. Mm -hmm. And I'll send it to you if you want to include yeah. it um, in the notes and whatnot, because uh, I can't think of it right off the top of my head. No worries. Uh, but they said that joy is in, an experience, and like in the moment experience that brings us an intense, uh, intense pleasure. Happiness is something that is over time. So when oh. we measure what's our happiness level, happiness is like when you look at a period of time where you happy, joy happens in the moment. And I have this belief that if you have numerous amounts of joy instances that happens more often than not, ultimately you will be happier. And that will lead to more creativity, that will lead to more life satisfaction, better work, more productivity. Yeah. And essentially when you're experiencing joy, you're actually playing. And it is not necessarily play like when most people think of play, they're like, oh, uh, like I'm outside playing games. It's being playful. It's more of a mindset. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about joy is that uh, it's unique for everyone. But there could be there are some things that are very universal, uh, like, for example, fireworks is uh, something that when people see fireworks, it brings them joy. Um, the researcher in the in the TED talk talked about joy. Uh, things that bring people joy are usually circular in nature. They're usually colorful. Wow. Um, they involve our senses, like water painting. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that shows abundance. Nice. Um, and it's, it's interesting. And if you can cultivate that in your experience, yeah. you're going to be happier in the long run. And so that is a question that I like to ask myself at the end of each day is, did I experience joy today? And the reason for that is that what you focus on, you get more of. Wow. And so that's the, you know, yeah. it's something that I invite everyone, I invite you listening to do the same is ask yourself every day, you know, did I experience joy today? Mm -hmm. And if not, um, what is something that I could do to put that into my existence? And if I did, what was it? Mm -hmm. Because there's something about that that maybe I should do more of. Right. I feel like it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, even gratitude, right? I. I need to do this again, but before, um, maybe not like a few months ago, I would make it a routine for me to write down what I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, whether that be like a couple of things at the end of each day. I was like, okay, I was grateful. I got to eat my favorite meal Ooh, at my favorite restaurant or, you know, something as yeah. small as that. And I feel like that definitely goes hand in hand because it's also finding out what is it that, 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 adds that joy into your life yes. and like you said doing more of it and just taking mental note I feel like because sometimes you may not even be aware of it you, right you yeah and um, it's like when for example you know you learned that your friend got a new Tesla X mm -hmm. and maybe before that you didn't really see them but now you see them everywhere ah, and uh -huh. it's that's what happens is that when you take stock of this you start to see more of it and if you or, you know, or listening and thinking about, oh, how can I be more joyful? And you happen to go um, watch or listen to that TED Talk. Um, 
the researcher talks about all these things and you'll probably start thinking like, oh yeah, these things do bring me joy, like bubbles and, and like all these sort of playful like things. But then you'll start to start, you will start to see them and you'll start to realize like, oh yeah, this does bring me joy. They bring back a sense of nostalgia. And the more that you allow yourself to experience them, you'll find that even in the, um, the rough times, um, having that contrast will actually help um, you deal with them with more grace and, wow. and with more resiliency. And that's a sign of a, you know, of a whole person. Um, mm-hmm. If you um, follow any of the research by Brene Brown, she talks I about... I love Brene Brown. Yeah, the wholehearted people mm-hmm. and the wholehearted like, individual. You know, they don't you know, not experience pain and suffering and, and stuff like that. They do, but they have things like they are very playful and that helps them yeah. um, you know, power through. And one thing she talks about is a lot of channeling your vulnerability. Yes. And that's so important. And I feel that's something that a lot of us talk about throughout this podcast. And that's like kind of like that core theme of just being vulnerable with your story and yes. being able to share that. Because I feel like a lot of us, if we don't share like our troubles or what makes us sad or if we kind of hold on to those negative moments, like you said, it kind of weighs us down, makes us feel kind of like powerless so kind of like being more vulnerable and answering to calls of play, you know, yeah. like is so important, whether that's just taking a few hours out of your day or, you know, setting aside that time. What would you recommend to someone who would claim like, I don't have time for that? Kind of like what you said, like, um, I'm too busy, like working on my empire or, you know, mm-hmm. just too busy grinding it out. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, it time is a scarcity. It, like there's. You know, if you think about resources, time is the only thing that we can't get more of. Mm-hmm. And what you focus on, you get more of. So if you always have this mindset, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, you're never going to have enough time. Um, and, and if you happen to be in that state, um, I have so much empathy for you because I find myself in that quite often. And, and I'm fortunate to surround myself with people that can check me and like, hey, Gary, you know, you know remember this. Um, and so my first question to you is, what was something that you used to do, especially around between the age of 10 and 12, that brought you joy? Um, and so let me ask you <laughs> put, to put oh, you on the spot. Man. I know. I'm like, I don't know. Um, well, I was nine when I moved here. I feel like one of the things that we did, I think this was like really when like computers started to come around. It's kind yeah. of crazy seeing like the evolution know, right? of the digital age. But um, I really love that pinball game that was on there. Which- did like you have a Mac? Old, oh, yeah. Oh, my like God. I think I know what school, you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. pinball. Like, it was a space thing. Like, yeah. Right? On and so the computer. I take it you would and play like that. Snake. Like, just like little random computer games yes. that would keep me entertained for hours. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is I bet you if you were to play a game similar to that, it would bring back a sense of the nostalgia. Yeah. Now, this is something, and it's all about the mindset. Um, set aside five minutes and play a game like that. It could be Candy Crush. It could be anything like that. But the intention, and this is what's important. So, you know, pay very close attention to this, is setting the intention of why you're doing this. Mm. And if you're doing it as a way to help you just as a power, what people mostly do when they get an extra five minutes, what do they do? They go on social media or they check email. And that has been proven to cause more anxiety, more depression, just because of the unconscious, like subliminal messages that you're getting as you're scrolling through uh, this medium. 
Um, and a researcher, her name is Jane McGonigal. She actually wrote this book called Super Better, and it's how games can make us more resilient, more confident, and live a longer and happier life. Mm-hmm. She um, talks about the benefits of, uh, you know, of video games, and it's. And I talked about this in my Creative Morning talk. In the only difference between that and using it for resilience and actually using games and and actually having a crappier life because you get sucked down this rabbit hole and you don't do anything is your mindset. And they said, um, say you have this typical sort of response of maybe it's two, three o'clock and and you go and you, like myself, consume like cookies and sweets. It's something <laughs> you probably shouldn't because you feel like you need a pick-me-up yeah. and it's not necessarily the healthiest for you. Uh, what you can do is you can set a timer for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Play Candy Crush or play one of your favorite games. But the mindset is, you know what? I'm just using this as a power-up to help me be more uh, aware of my sort of being and, and, and actually make better decisions. You'd play it for two minutes and then ask yourself, do I really want that cookie? Do I really want that snack? And it's been proven that if you do that, then ask yourself the question again, you will make better decisions. Wow. And would you like to know the reason why? Yes, please. So when you play these games, they're so immersive. Right. That, uh, you, the way that our sort of neural network works is like a highway. So it takes over all of our, um, all of our sort of senses and it hijacks it. And then it, because of that, it essentially um, focus all of our attention to that game Mm -hmm. and that's why some people can get sucked into these games but if you go with the right mindset and time box it then when you are done those cravings which were going through like all of our nervous system didn't have a chance to sort of permeate now you have like a clean slate and then you can like all right, with a clear head say do I really need this probably not Uh, but again the question going back to like what someone that is very time constraint, what could you do? First yeah. question is what brings you joy? What is something, you know, and I like to call it a play, a playlist of like things That's that cool. brings you joy and have that handy mm-hmm. and setting, you know, being committed to like making it a priority mm-hmm. and five minutes somewhere in your day, set a timer for five minutes and true story. I met this gal and one of the things that brought her joy was drawing. She used to love to draw. And, um, you know, she's like, well, I you know, really didn't have time to do the drawings and stuff art that she used to. And I said, you know what? It's not necessarily, that's where we get confused. We right. think that I have to do it exactly this way. Mm. It's not the case. Okay. It's the essence of drawing. Like we said, the watercolors and stuff like yeah. that um, brings back that sense of nostalgia. And it's like very zen-like. And I said, can you commit for like five minutes, setting, you know, you know um, a calendar event for five minutes somewhere in your day, and then just doodling. Just doodling. You know, with no intention other than just like, you know, zoning out for a bit and drawing some stuff. And there's no intention other than to just be there. And she did it. And that turned into, uh, like, it went from a week to a half month to a month. And she said that that single event changed her life. Really? How so? I'm like... And it was just because it brought back that nostalgia. It, it like it brought back like um, it was very meditative for her. Yeah. So she started getting. Um, it gave her brain a rest because think about it like this: our brains are muscles, right? Right. And if you were working out, 
and you were like isolating a muscle, whether it's your abs or your pecs or something like that, they tell you after you like burn out the muscle to give it rest. But we don't let our brains rest. And so for that, the things that she was still working on as far as projects were still up there. Right. And for the people that are true creatives, they don't really know neurologically what what sort of environment you need for creativity. And you actually need imagination. You need to daydream. You need to get away from the project. You can't be creative in the moment. Like, trying to be creative. Like, you may think that you yeah. can, but that is, like, setting the intention. You need to get away. And so that act of just doing that and making that a practice changed her life because it was those little moments of wow. joy that she got every day yeah. that it actually started... It started with five minutes, and then she actually saw the benefits, and she actually set aside, like, ten minutes. And then she set aside an hour, and she realized that she was more productive. Because she was able to do that. That is and so And she came cool. up with, like, all these amazing breakthroughs in her business really? and stuff because that was the practice. She was actually taking, uh, you know, putting her health, um, you know, like, front and center. And the interesting thing is she had less time, but she got more done. Wow. Man, that so, is incredible. But, but this is the thing, is that when you're a time-scrapped individual, mm-hmm. you're not going to set aside an hour. And I don't want you to. I want you to make it easy for yourself so that you're essentially hacking your brain. So your Makes brain sense. thinks like, oh, yeah, I can, I can spare five minutes. Like, I probably spend five minutes, like, doing things I probably shouldn't do. Right. Wow. That and so is that's so the start. Cool. That's what I tell everyone, five minutes. But more importantly, make a list of things that you know, sparks joy for you. Start to like mm-hmm. daydream. And that's something that I'm actually on a journey of, of figuring that out myself because yeah. um, I am 38 now and I have a son. And then it wasn't like a midlife crisis. It was nothing of the sort, but I was like thinking of like, what, what is joy for me? Like, what are the things that are bringing me joy? Uh, and they're still the same. And so like, I'm sort of questioning my own sort of tactics to see if it still holds true. And sure enough, it does. Yeah. What is it that brings you joy? Uh, so some of the stuff that brings me joy is doodling. Um, you know, just, again, not even trying to, like, be an artist, but, like, just spending time and, and doing stuff like that. Legos bring me joy. Mm. Um, I used to play clarinet. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that was something that I played from sixth grade on. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not always – I don't always have – the um, space to like full on practice it but like just spending some you know uh, some time like being creative musically and again not trying to be the best musician it's not that it's just the practice of just playing with music and those are some stuff Um, you know little stuff is I'm very into senses like um, smells lately Mm -hmm. and trying to find smells that bring back memories Oh, wow. Because they say our smell is um, one of the quickest way to bring back memories. That makes believe sense. Believe it or not. Like, mm-hmm. you talked about coffee. Now it brings back these memories of yeah. being a child. So um, I spent a lot of time, or not a lot of time, but a, a, a good uh, period of time in Hawaii. And I was young, but, like, it was, like, I think about times in my life where I had a lot of fun and a lot of joy. Hawaii was one of them. And so, like, those scents, believe it or not, like, I vaguely remember what happened there but like I would smell something like like the the flowers and the fragrances of Hawaii and it brings back these weird memories that I didn't even know were there and so like wow so I've been playing around with different scents and and like um getting like essential oils and and I know there's like a lot of talk about like the benefits of essential oils for me (laughs) yeah like yes 
uh, I believe in all that. But like for me, for me, it's more like bringing back like amazing memories. That is so neat. Something that I feel like works for me is definitely music. Yeah, mm-hmm. bringing back like specific moments and. It's kind of interesting because sometimes I hear songs I haven't listened to in years, like randomly at like a supermarket or something. And the next thing you know, a song comes out and I'm like, this reminds me of that time I went to Disneyland like five years ago and we were listening to this song while we were like playing like heads up in line, you know, like something as specific as that. Yes. And that's insane to me. And like you educating us on like all these neurological things, like that's something that... I'm aware of, but not like 100%. So for you to talk upon that is really interesting to see just like how our brain works and functions. Yeah. Yeah. Because most people do the opposite. Uh, think about when people have breakups or, or stuff mm. like that. They play like the, song, like the breakup songs and all those things. And yeah, it like yeah, yeah. makes it, to be honest, makes it worse. I had a friend that was going through a rough time and she would listen to this song. And it was a, sort of like a emo-ish sort of song. Oh. And it was like already a sad song. But so much so, she when she was going through this rough time, if she listens to it now, she will cry. Whoa, really? And That's it, it, tough. That music, um, and there's a lot of science behind music and how it triggers part of our brain that is more emotional. Um, like, so this is a question. You can answer it or not question. Have you ever had a crush on a musician? Yeah. Of course. Most people have. Um, and can you explain why? It's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> um, I just love his music and his presence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like his, I haven't seen him in person or live or anything, but just the way he like radiates like throughout his music is like really cool, you know? Yeah. And yeah. music is such a powerful medium that has the ability to bring people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about like, have you gone to any concerts? Yeah. And so... Have you felt like a bond with the people that you're oh, around, right? Singing, 100%, yeah. and that is people you don't even know. Don't even know. Don't and even you're know. you're singing the same songs, and again, it's that neurological linkage because you're having this moment, this peak yeah. emotional experience. And when you have that, um, you actually the way that your brain works is that you associate positive. Uh, with everything around you. So the venue, whatever you ate, whoever was near you, because of that experience, mm-hmm. you're going to think favorably about these people. And music has a way of doing that. And again, um, you know, something that you could do if you want to start to bring back that sense of joy is like, what are those songs that like bring back that like sort of happy feeling? Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm a huge Disney fan. I, I love anything related to Disney. I love so it. um, it's interesting because I had such amazing experiences as a child going to Disneyland with friends and family that I can just listen to like the soundtrack like of the Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. and stuff like that, Definitely. and it brings back that. Uh, that feeling like uh, growing up Captain EO was like something I loved oh like, my Michael gosh, Jackson and yeah. those songs that are in like yeah. like I would lo- like bring it up on Spotify and like it brings back like oh such that's so cool and oh, so like I miss Captain EO right oh, exactly <laughs> like it, it's stuff like that and again that brings back every, it has music it like it's a whole immersive experience mm-hmm. but it's something like that uh, that if you create that and introduce that into your day to day you will start to get those moments of joy that is so, so cool. Oh my gosh, I'm like taking mental notes and I'm like, I'm going to be so much better now mm-hmm. or at least like work towards that. And that's so helpful because I feel like we're so in our heads and you said so yourselves, kind of like being creative and separating ourselves from our work 
is so hard. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's such a challenge. Yeah, and um, I'd love to know. It's like getting so busy right now. It's so funny. I right? love this. Um, I would love to hear more about Breakthrough Play because that's a company that you created, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. To pretty much do everything that you're saying in a bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. And it's something where... Um, so as far as Breakthrough Play, this is something that, again, came on accident. And I got this from a mentor of mine. Her name is Gwen Gordon. Um, she was my play mentor. And cool. she worked on Sesame Street. Uh, she worked for IBM Park. They're the company that uh, Mike, uh, sorry, uh, Apple, they uh, got the design for the mouse from IBM Park. So she's super creative, uh, super playful person. And so I've been fortunate to study under her and she talks about your compass of joy and what are the what are the things that brings joy like as far as the work that you do and it's not necessarily uh, and this is where we have to again separate things mm -hmm. uh, where if you really digest like what you do the essence of what you do what about it brings you joy and for me it could have been anything um, but it was always and I think about when I was a kid some of the things that I wanted to be when I was a kid was a teacher or a scientist. And I ended up not doing that, but it's interesting. I do that sort of, you know, with what I do. I, I uh -huh. teach through um, any work, any job that I've ever been in. I always found the most joy in showing people how to do stuff. And I always love doing experiments. And so um, when I got into improv and when I started bringing that back to work, I realized that, wow, this brings me a lot of fulfillment and just seeing people start to make these shifts yeah. in their life just because we've been playing and it works every time. And so um, then I started getting asked to do more workshops and, and then it was one of those things like, yeah, sure. You know, it was when they say, find something that you would do for free, like literally, like I would like, you want me to do an improv workshop? Oh my God. Oh, okay. okay. And like, I would just like, cool. get so giddy, like. Like finding out, all right, what are you looking to do? What do you look like? What is the results that you want to get from this workshop? And mm -hmm. then bringing these games and these experiences together to these these people, and then still getting nervous, like, oh my gosh, is this going to work? But then watching them play with, like, just without abandon, like, it's almost like they had permission to just be themselves wow. and seeing pure joy on these adults, um, and then watch them come closer. And so then um, I had an opportunity, and it's you know, talk about being vulnerable. So um, this was something that I did a portion of my time. It was like my sort of side hustle, mm -hmm. uh, but I ran a digital marketing agency. Oh, um, wow. I, like I left an agency that I was um, just contributing um, sort of person mm -hmm. and uh, joined up with some people that I knew and we started our own agency and I was like, great, I can like use all this stuff I learned to build these teams and stuff like that. And the first year was like amazing. Um, and then... You know, naturally, you know, with business, you have ups and downs. And then we were sort of, you know, had some rough moments and it sort of getting me thinking about certain things. And, and in those moments, you really see people's true colors. Mm -hmm. And um, but you sort of turn a blind eye to it, especially like it's sort of like your livelihood. And, you know, again, it becomes your identity and you don't right. like it's like being in a relationship, you know, like afterwards, say you're in a relationship that's probably not good for you. And then after it's over, everyone's like. I knew it wasn't good for you. Like oh, I, you should have been like it was one of those gosh, things. But like when you're in yeah. the middle of it, you like make excuses. Exactly. Right. And uh, long story short, um, this March, uh, this March, I was at a retreat. I did this uh, 
retreat. It was a play retreat, and it, it was something that I like came back feeling so so amazing because I worked with this school uh, mm-hmm. and all these kids and all these other things. And I came back essentially um, to be broken up with <laughs> for my business partner, oh, and wow. I was like devastated. But I realized, well, it was something that was needed because you know, looking back, I'm like it wasn't the most health healthiest of business partnerships and but when it's your main source of income like you sort of like you know you have this sort of identity and you sort of like turn a blind eye to it um but i was terrified because it's like well what do i do and it's so interesting because i could have easily just caught a you know (laughs) got a regular job but i was like like a little bit ashamed like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. um but my wife she was the, the one who like saw this as like Gary, this is your chance, you know, to like really go all in with Breakthrough Play and and really make it a priority. And so to make a a terrible story even more terrible. Oh, my gosh. um, (laughs) Two hours after this meeting, like I thought I was going to check in with my business partner because I hadn't been here for a week, um, only to find out that he, you know, thought it would be best if if I stepped down and yada, 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 and get my sort of buyout check and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, it made sense, you know, sure. Sure. Um, But two hours after that, our landlord called saying he needed to sell our house that we've been renting. And and it's me, my wife, and and my son. And uh, he just turned a year, so he's like 12 months. And, And I'm the only person that brings in income because my wife we we agreed she would stay home with my son and so i was like i'm like freaking out i'm like oh my gosh but i like again i have been doing this on the side Mm -hmm. uh but it's something when like you sort of just trust and like sort of step all in and that's when i like all right this is what i'm gonna do that like i kid you not like the moment like i sort of stepped into myself yeah things started happening that's when the creative morning thing happened like it was like something out of like a like a, a movie i'm like Oh, wow. Like, all these opportunities started, like, showing up because I just said, oh, yeah, this is what I do. (laughs) And so, so, um, but it did require me to really practice what I preach because, like, the way that this stuff works, you can't just, like what you said with, like, the gratitude journal, like, it's not, it's not that easy to just keep doing it. We're not wired to just do it like that. Mm -hmm. We have to make it a practice. And so, like, I really had to, like, step into it and like really what am I grateful for and like and and like I found myself like going back to old habits of overworking because I'm like I need to make money for my family and then yeah. I'm like you know what no I have to I have to do this stuff and um and so what I do is I do workshops for companies and I bring in like these games that are based in improvisation and in play psychology to help teams be more creative be more confident be better speakers mm-hmm. work better together and essentially yeah. be a better version of themselves. Yeah. And recently I found myself um, through my own exploration working with individuals, helping them um, rekindle that joy so that they can work and play at a bigger level. Wow. Um, and so I am fortunate um, to be able to do this style of coaching mm-hmm. that's called Play Life. And so essentially we create a game out of the goals that you want to create so that wow. it is based in play so that you are, you know, you're more apt to do it. You know, when we think about, like, goals, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, like, uh, it's a lot of, like, I need to complete these actions and things like that. Right. And, you know, it, if you think about it in one way, it can seem like it's just something that's ongoing and then you can get burnt out. Mm-hmm. But if you think about going with the spirit of play and how can we co-create an experience where you can play at a bigger level 
you are actually going to work harder and play harder, but not feel it at that level because you're adding these elements of play into your life. So anyway, so wow. that's what I do. And I'm super like, I, like, I'm like, oh, wow, this is my life's mission. And like, yes, I still do marketing stuff on the side, but um, I do it in such a way that I have the time to do all these things. And more importantly, um, I get to spend time with my son. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. That's crazy that like all this stuff happened in one moment. But as soon as you're like, okay, I need to like really check in with myself and figure out what I want to do and how I'm going to do it. And like you said, you moved into a more authentic version of yourself. Mm-hmm. All these things started happening. I feel like that's just like the universe telling you like you need to do this. Yes. Right. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I'm still kind of like. I feel like we all kind of go through that. You know, there's signs, whatever that looks like for you or anybody. But I remember, like, I was, like, kind of pushed out of my corporate job, too. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to make it work. And, like, you know, but it was just so toxic. They took away social media from me. And that was, like, the one thing that was, like, the main right. part of my job. And I was like, what am I supposed to do now? Um, so I had to, like, really kind of step into this freelance role a lot earlier than I expected. Same. Right? And it's kind of like, okay. Like, you really kind of have to figure it out from there. And I feel like when people want to be freelancers, they kind of, like, try and plan ahead. But it's one of those things, I feel like, that you don't know what it's like until you're in it. And there's no way you could have forecasted or expected your life to be what it is while you are freelancing. Mm-hmm. And so. those are the people, to be honest, that need to play the most. Mm. Because when you, even when you work at a, a job, like an agency and stuff like that, there's still parameters. Like, right. though they may demand a lot from you, um, you do have some space where you're potentially not supposed to work. But when you're working for yourself and in that sort of survival instinct come in, you will work yourself to death. Because, again, we have to survive. And so if you have this mindset of, like, any moment I could be without a client and I, you know, maybe yeah. on the street. And, like, and you will create this story. We all have done it of what will happen. You will work yourself to death. Matter of fact, I have this friend completely successful. I mean, like, uh, compared to where they've been and where they're doing now, mm-hmm. crushing it. Really? Crushing it. But they, like, still have that, like, sort of voice in the back of their head of, like, I don't know. Tomorrow, maybe without like, and it keeps, you know, and some people, they say, well, that's what keeps me successful. But then I asked them, I said, are you enjoying your life? Are you working to live? Are you living to work? Wow. I'm just like sitting here soaking that in because I'm just like, I feel like I went through that. I definitely went through that. And it's so true. Like you need to incorporate play and really just take a step back. You know, and just be like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I find that I work even harder now, uh-huh. but it doesn't affect me as much. And so that's the thing that I want to encourage all people to realize is that play is not something that you do to slack off. Mm. It's not something that you do um, because you don't care. Yeah. Um, it's not something that just kids do. It's something that is going to be that catalyst that is going to put you in the right mindset mm-hmm. so that you can hustle. Absolutely. Because there are some days where I find myself like working like long hours but I have to like work-life balance there is no such thing I call it work-life <laughs> harmony work-life because if you're trying for that work-life balance like it's not going to happen there's going to be some times where you have you have to put in the time mm-hmm. however you don't 
you shouldn't be working like all the time. You need to set in situations where you have those very specific moments to like break, to give yourself a chance to recuperate or else you're going to be like, uh, you know, those old school iPhones where like by noon, the battery's already dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) We all can relate to that. (laughs) Um, And so you have, like I heard this quote is that your business will never be healthier than you are. Wow. I love that. I really love that. And so, again, if you don't put in the practice, we will never, like, it's not going to happen. Like, (laughs) there is more work than we can, like, you can, I know I can pull out my to-do list right now, and there is more work on that to-do list that I can do in a given day. And if I allow myself to do it, I will, you know, I would just be in this cave and, like, be, like, T-Rex arms. and I totally feel that. I feel like that's me right now. I have this overwhelming list of just, like, stuff to do and I'm like I look at it and it's just so overwhelming and I'm like I'm just gonna ignore it until I have to like actually face it yeah um but no that was that was really great we're getting really close to wrapping up I just want to get uh one piece of advice from you that you would give to someone who wants to pursue something creative or wants to kind of get into this field of incorporating play into their lives maybe even become like an improv yeah so I I think creativity is very subjective and Mm -hmm. um so I'll give you two parts. First and foremost is looking at creativity as problem solving. Mm-hmm. Most people get intimidated by the word creative yeah, um, because they see absolutely. people that are like, you know, that are super creative, but the work that they put out, like you're like, I could never do that. So like, first and foremost, you need to be realistic and, and say creativity is problem solving. I, I have a 16 month old son that's incredibly creative. Matter of fact, there are studies that show um, that kids up into the age of 11 have uh-huh. genius levels of creativity and it's all about problem solving like you should see my son solve problems it's like ridiculous because he's just always thinking about new and novel ways of getting stuff done mm-hmm. um you know he has something he wants to do and he has an obstacle and he's like all right how am i going to get through this obstacle That's um like cool. for example he was like how do i get off the couch without spilling my milk no. And like the stuff that he does, like I literally saw him, like he has like the sippy cup, he like put it in his mouth and he's like climbing down like, on, on oh, that is and, like so and then like, but you make mistakes and then you overcome it. So first and foremost, creativity is just problem solving. Once you realize that, then it's all about how can you take baby steps and allow yourself to suck. Allow yourself to suck. Just be a learner. Yeah. Because again, think about when we were kids, we... The stuff that we allowed ourselves to do and learn in such a short period of time is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, think about, like, all the stuff that by the time you go to kindergarten that you know, you knew nothing. From zero to five, the stuff that you learn is ridiculous. We, like, the amount that you learn in that short period of time, we don't even do that in, in our, like, adult span. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we did that is we were fine being a beginner. But we get good at something and then we become adults and we are not willing to be beginners. And that stops us from really living into our potential. And so if you want to be a creative, if you have that itch to be a creative, whatever that is for you, how can you just develop a practice where you sit down to do the work and just allow yourself to just suck and get better at it? Like, and it's not necessarily sucking, you know, but just like, just, call a spade a spade is you're not good at it yet mm. but you're putting in the work and if you can do it with the lens of play you know like how can you be more playful about this and taking that judgment out of the equation because that's not helpful 
Absolutely. And, and, and maybe it's, you know, having like some sort of hobby or something where you're just sort of doing it, something in a low stake scenario mm -hmm. and then allowing yourself to experience joy. Yep. I love that. Ah. And then, of course, one last question to yes. wrap it up. And I'm sure you know what it is. But if you could have coffee with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? <sighs> okay. Um, it, it's so interesting because coming in, I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to say. Um, but I would love, I'm, I'm going to switch it up. And I would love to have coffee with Walt Disney. With who? Walt Disney. Wow. That's a good one. Who are you thinking of saying before you? I was going to say Barack Obama. Um, oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> you think it's so, so sad. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. I was like, that would be amazing. That but then I was thinking, be. like again, like the whole nostalgia and then the, the stuff that he created with Disney. And re I recently re-listened to his uh, biography. Uh, oh, I have an nice. audio book of his biography. Mm -hmm. And it's just so fascinating, the stuff that he went through. And that's actually, you know what? A piece of advice for, for someone that's looking to be into the creative uh, realm is find someone that you admire that has a biography out and read it or listen to it because you will realize that they had to go through some stuff, overcome a lot yeah. of obstacles and become very resilient um, to get to where they are, but they still found ways to be joyous. I love that. That was so great. Thank you again for being on this podcast. Yeah, my I pleasure. feel like we Thank could talk for forever. I know, right? Like <laughs> the time just went by like that. Really I'm like, what? Did. Oh my gosh. It's already like It's already it's, three. Like, I know. What? <laughs> Well, thank you. Please let the listeners know where to find you and Breakthrough Play Yeah. on the internet. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> can, um, you can go to my website, breakthroughplay.com. There you can find you know, links to you know, various different um, talks that I've done. If you're on Instagram, please follow me, at Gary Ware. Um, that's where you can find a lot of my personal stuff. And then uh, Breakthrough Play is on Instagram as well. But um, I'm an open book, uh, and I, I'm just here to spread joy, and, and I'm happy to connect. I love it. Thank you again. And yeah. thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you in the next episode. Bye. 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 <laughs>